This is our number two of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together live for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion heard on 20 different radio stations throughout the country. Our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And Leah, at least once every week, we discuss the race for the White House 2016. And even though this was a holiday week, there were some interesting moments. And uh, to me, maybe the most interesting moment, um, certainly of the week, but maybe um, of a longer period of time than that, because I think it encapsulates so much about Donald Trump as well as the news media. Um, I mean, I almost don't think I could concoct a set of circumstances that could reveal more about Trump and our news media than what happened this week involving a New York Times reporter who is disabled and Donald Trump getting into a a controversy that has taken numerous twists and turns. And I want to discuss this in some detail because I think we can learn a lot about a lot of different things here. Uh, So let's start at the beginning of the story. This all begins when Trump decides to say, in light of the Paris attacks and all the focus on what should we do about uh, Islamic extremism, that after 9-11, he remembers seeing with his own eyes thousands of Muslims in New Jersey celebrating 9-11. Right. Which, Dancing in the streets. Which which doesn't appear to have actually happened. Um, now, if uh, Brian Williams said this or Ben Carson, this would be you know a catastrophe for their campaign. But Trump gets a pass because he's magic, right? I mean, that that's the reality of it. I mean, Trump is a different guy. With me, it's just works you know it's magic so so he gets away with anything almost as long as he maintains his balls so if it sounds ballsy his people will love it and you know that sounds ballsy right because he's calling out uh the the muslim uh, terrorist sympathizers in america even though it doesn't appear as if there was ever a situation where thousands of uh, Muslims in New Jersey were doing that. The best theory, tell me if you think this is right, Leah, is that Trump is conflating some scattered reports of, of people in New Jersey maybe reacting that way and conflating that with video he saw in foreign countries right. where people right. actually were celebrating. That's the most— Exactly. The most that's lo- what I think. Okay, that's what I think happened with Trump. And, of course, he—if you listen to him, he'll, tell, he'll be the first to tell you he has a world-class memory— <laughs> So, so, so in his mind, inherently, if he remembers that way, it must be right, even though there doesn't appear to be any evidence of that. Now, he did find a tiny little bit of evidence yeah. uh, in an article that he found by a guy by the name of Serge Kovaleski. Right. A- and uh, this was from a couple weeks after 2001, the terrorist attacks of 9-11. And, and there was a reference, I believe it was the Washington Post at the time, where he was writing, because mm-hmm. he's a New York Times reporter now. He referenced the notion that there were some people who were celebrating uh, the attacks in New Jersey. No, no indication. Kind of like having a tailgate yeah, more uh, like, situation. Right, not thousands and thousands. Now, by the way, you know, who really cares about the number? I mean, the, the number isn't that important. I mean, the reality is, yeah, some Muslims cheered it. 
Uh, and I think that's, that's right. Re- I think that's relevant. But the media wants to make and, and Chuck, 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 Chuck Todd did that this morning on Meet the Press with Donald Trump as his guest. He made damn right sure. Let's get this nailed down because this is really important stuff. I mean, of all who the, want their names? Uh, what are their names? I mean, of all the things we let go that are far more important, but we got to we have to spend half of our time with Donald Trump on Meet the Press, making sure we nail this down that there weren't thousands of people. Okay, it's unreal. So in his effort, in his effort to try to substantiate his original claim because his ego won't let him say, well, maybe I mistook or conflated or whatever. He uses an article by uh, Kovaleski from 2001 that indicates that there was some, not thousands, but there were some Muslims who celebrated. And in the mm-hmm. midst, in the midst of, of this controversy, Kovaleski seems to back off or not support Trump. Of course not. Uh, well, he works for the New York Times. Right, exactly. As if a New York <laughs> Times reporter is ever going to back up Trump on anything, whether it was accurate or not, it's irrelevant. That's so, right. So, so anyway, so Kovaleski is is dancing in, in Trump's mind around the idea that uh, he's backtracking on his original article, which sort of kind of not really backs up Trump's misrecollection of what happened after 9-11. So at a rally, Trump makes fun of Kovaleski, and, and you're not going to be able to see it, obviously, since this is radio, but as he's as he's mocking Kovaleski's lack of backup on this, he's waving his arms around. Uh, and so let's listen to the clip from Donald Trump uh, taking on this issue. Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> All right. So, again, he's waving his arms around. Now, um, immediately, the press decides to go into an epileptic fit because Kovaleski— Don't say that. You're uh, making fun of disabled people. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> uh, you're right, Leah. Thank you for reminding me of that. So, so they go into some sort of a conniption that's not offensive to anybody— Right, right, exactly. <laughs> because Kovaleski is disabled, and one of his arms is mangled, and I guess he doesn't have full ability to move his arms around. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now, I will acknowledge that the first time you see that, especially since Trump says you ought to see the poor guy, right? Right. I mean, those are pretty much the key words. You ought to see the poor Can we play it again just so we get the, the right verbiage? Okay. Here it is. Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. Now the one, <laughs> the one, the one word there that is important. He says, "Now the poor guy." See, now that is exculpatory. It, it, it sounds incredibly subtle, maybe irrelevant, but it's not because in Trump's mind, he's thinking the guy wrote this in 2001. Mm-hmm. Now. Today, the poor guy is backing away. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Play it it again. I think that word now is important. Written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. Right. Okay. So, (laughs) so, so the the rest of the New York Times immediately without, without even getting any facts because they don't need any facts because, you know, they got a narrative that they like. It's anti-Trump and it's, Boy, the oh, media, it is. And, and it's, boy, the media is so important. The New York Times, and I've never heard of them doing this before, immediately puts out a statement condemning a presidential candidate for mocking the disability of one of their reporters when we don't know. We didn't. We, it's not like Trump admitted to doing that. It's not as if there was zero question that he had done that. Uh, but that's what the New York Times did, which was extraordinary and, and a, a real indication of what the New York Times is all about. Now, in, in, in 100%... 
a hundred, well, in a hundred percent of cases of other candidates, they would never have done what Donald Trump just did in the clip we True. played. But okay, in one excuse the number, right? In a hundred percent of presidential candidate situations where they got themselves in this kind of a situation, the immediate response would have been, "Oh my God, let's curl into the fetal position, let's bring out every person we know who's disabled, especially if they're family members. Let's give money. Let's give <laughs> stand mo- up, Chuck. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> Thank you, Joe Biden. Let, let let's uh, give money to whatever cause you offended, uh, beg for forgiveness, maybe even cry if you have to. Donald Trump chose to go in a slightly different direction. (laughs) And we'll tell you about that when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is our weekly look at the race of the White House 2016. And we're talking about Donald Trump and how he chose to handle the controversy with the disabled Washington, not former Washington Post, now New York Times reporter, where he was accused of mocking his disability while um, joking about how he was backing off a report he had made for the Washington Post back in 2001, which sort of kind of backed up Trump's recollection of Muslim reaction in New Jersey after 9-11. And as I referenced in the last segment, Leah, 100% of politicians would have curled into the fetal position if they got themselves into this situation. But Isn't Donald- that what Donald Trump did? No. <laughs> and this was on Thanksgiving, and I was fascinated. I'm, I'm fascinated by crisis management now because I've gotten myself in a lot of crises and have been involved in a lot of crises. And um, and I'm, you know, I think I've gotten a pretty good sense as to how to handle certain situations. And so I was very curious what Trump was going to do, whether he would just ignore this because it's Thanksgiving, let it blow over, pretend it never happened. Mm-mm. No. Trump told Trump took a slightly different direction uh, in a way that was as Trumpy as could Trumpy be. Um, he released he did a, he couple did a couple things. He released a statement on Twitter uh, in which it, 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 I'm going to give you the the best line uh, of the statement, which is epic. I mean, it, the, the the statement is. Uh, be- belongs in some sort of museum of crisis management. <laughs> uh, better, I mean, it is, I laughed out loud like three times while reading the thing. It's too long to get into on the air, but if you, if you really, if you haven't, it, it, go and Google it and it's worth reading. But he basically says, instead of curling up in the fetal position, Trump puts out a statement I have no idea who this reporter, Serge Kovaleski, misspelled last name. (laughs) She misspells the guy's last name. I love it. More proof. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right. Which is perfect. Because not only when you miss. 
to spell the guy's name does it indicate you have no idea who he is, but you're also the alpha, right? Because you don't even care if you spell his name right. So, so whether it was on purpose or not, he misspells the guy's name. I, I, he says, I don't know what he looks like or his level of intelligence. I don't know if he's J.J. Watt, which is a bizarre reference to a, a former congressman, Oklahoma quarterback, uh, or Muhammad Ali in his prime, or somebody of less athletic or physical ability. Despite one of, having one of the all-time great memories, I certainly do not remember him. <laughs> now, now, that goes, it gets better. <laughs> Kovaleski must think a lot of himself <laughs> if he thinks I remember him from decades ago. If I ever met him at all, which I doubt I did. <laughs> then, then there's this. This belongs in the Hall of Fame. He should stop using his disability <laughs> to grandstand and to and get back to reporting for a paper that is rapidly going down the tubes. <laughs> then. Then he demanded an apology. (laughs) Right right there, if I thought he had any chance of beating Hillary Clinton, I was on the Trump bandwagon forever. I would have voted for him three times at that moment. I, I don't even care if he's lying. I don't care. That is too spectacular. I mean, in this, in this PC world where a New York Times disabled reporter has, you know, about as much protection as he could possibly have unless he was gay and black, for him to say, look, I, I don't know who you are, buddy. I'm going to misspell your name. <laughs> I don't remember you, and I have one of the all-time great memories. And you should stop using your disability to grandstand and get back to reporting for a sucky paper that's going down the tubes and that I deserve an apology from. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That is just beautiful. It is fan flip. And then, so then Kovaleski, Kovaleski plays right into it. Because Kovaleski says, that's impossible. Trump must know who I am. Why? <laughs> Why? Because back in 1989, I was one of a group of reporters who spent a whole day with him. Oh, now, you're kidding. Oh, my God. Now, now the narcissism. I mean, we talk. I talk all the time about how arrogant and narcissistic and delusional these mainstream news media types are, and I've dealt with all of them. They're as narcissistic and clueless as they get. But that's a new level that you think that Donald Trump, who despite his all time great memory, <laughs> that Donald Trump, who has dealt with probably what, 5,000 reporters in the last exactly. in the yeah. last 25 years, you think that he remembers you from 26 years ago and whether or not you're disabled or not. I mean, did, did the converse, by the way, we know this didn't happen because the reporter would have said it. 
you never had a conversation about your disability, did you? So, so I guess he was just supposed to know. Oh, that's the disabled Washington Post reporter. Um, <laughs> that's it's ridiculous. It is narcissism <laughs> in the extreme. And I don't even care. I don't even care if Trump's lying. He might be lying. It doesn't matter because it's just so beautiful the way he handled it. <laughs> I mean, it's just so tremendous. All right. Now, when we come back, um, there's a new ad campaign out to try to destroy Donald Trump by a friend of mine that's got it all wrong. And uh, I'll explain why when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This program is heard each and every Sunday night live on 20 different radio stations throughout the country, including New York and in Los Angeles. This is our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016. And Leah, this week I I wrote a very extensive column for Mediate, the uh, website that's basically uh, filled with media criticism. That is in response to the liberal statistical guru, Nate Silver. Do you know who Nate Silver is? Right. He got his big acclaim for being, you know, the one to correctly uh, say that Barack Obama was going to win instead of Mitt Romney. Well, yeah, I said the same thing. Um, right. But I mean, but, you know, <laughs> I he just, was legitimate. Quote oh, unquote. Well, no, he's a media <laughs> darling. Um, yes, and, that's what I mean. And he's a liberal, even though he pretends not to be. In fact, he's a, a hack liberal. Uh, he and I have had it out in the past when I did my movie Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. I did a poll. Uh, to back up the Obama voter video that we did on Election Day 2008. And Nate Silver wrote an article blasting me in my poll, uh, which indicated to me he had no clue what he was talking about, even from a technical standpoint, about the nature of polls. And he used the term push polling, which didn't even relate. And so I thought, wow, I cannot believe this guy is such a media darling. Anyway, he wrote this week that... We are all getting our panties in a bunch here about Donald Trump. Uh, There's no need for anybody to be panicking yet. We're very early in the process. There's a very good chance Trump is going to fade. There's no chance he's going to win the nomination. (laughs) And, And I had to write a response because, as you know, and I've been predicting for months, Trump ain't going anywhere. Uh, And in fact, the only way that Trump fades at this point, based upon what we currently see, barring some unforeseen massive event is if he comes out and says that Barack Obama was actually born in the United States of America, that might destroy him. Uh, anything other than that, uh, I think he's going to have at least 20% of the GOP base. Uh, the only other thing that can destroy him is him losing big in Iowa and having that aura of invincibility stripped from him. So well, I- no, because he know he's already set that up that the Iowa voters are stupid. Well, because they were believing Ben Carson, but now they're not stupid anymore because they don't believe Ben Carson anymore. (laughs) So anyway, I'm going to get to Iowa in a minute here, but I want to just 
alert people uh, that this column, which I'm pretty proud of, and I'm because I, I went out there on a limb. I mean, I'm I'm calling the big statistical guru, the media darling, Nate Silver. I'm saying, uh-uh, you are wrong about this, buddy. And let me tell you why you're wrong. And again, this is I'm not a I'm not somebody who wants Trump to be the nominee because I think he will lose to Hillary at least nine out of ten times. But I want you to take a look at this this column, and you can find it at well, you can Google it. But the easiest way to find it is just go to my personal website, which is John Ziegler. That's J O H N Z I E John Ziegler dot com. Now, as part of this whole Trump freakout, there are now several efforts to try to destroy Trump. Oh yeah, from the GOP side. And this week, it was announced that uh, a couple of different commercial campaigns were in the works. Uh, well, they were finally going to find the magic bullet to take down Donald Trump in the GOP primary. <laughs> After all these months, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. We just haven't found it yet. Now, one of these efforts, in fact, the most high profile and the most well-funded effort is from a super PAC that is in favor of John Kasich, the uh, governor of Ohio, <laughs> and uh, who has no chance at this point of being the absolute opposite of Donald Trump. Right. Well, and Trump has beaten him up pretty good in a couple of the debates. And so this super PAC is going to take on Donald Trump, and they've hired a very well-known political consultant, ad guru, uh, by the name of Fred Davis, to produce these ads. Now, six degrees of John Ziegler, uh, Fred Davis is, I would say, he's more than an acquaintance, maybe not quite a friend. He's somebody that I've been in touch with a lot. We've met a few times, had lunch together at least once. Uh, We like each other, at least I think we do. Uh, and Fred has been, you know, on a lot of well-known political campaigns. Wow. Uh, Boy, he is tone deaf out of touch. All right. Well, we're going to get to that. So um, so the first ad that Fred produced is out, and I want to play it, um, and I want to explain why it's, as Leah said, incredibly tone deaf. But as you listen to it, I want you to not just focus on – the many his, uh, inaccuracies in the ad, because it accuses Trump of things that he did not do, right. that that sound like they're from a liberal perspective as opposed to the conservative perspective. And again, you're trying to you're trying to persuade GOP voters here, so that's that's the number one thing. But there's a second, deeper and broader problem with this ad, which I want to see, Leah, whether or not you you see where I'm going with this, and it has to do with. If what this ad says happens, what it would mean for this election. So play the ad that's uh, supposedly going to start to bring down Donald Trump. I would like anyone who is listening to consider some thoughts that I paraphrase from the words of German pastor Martin Niemöller. You might not care if Donald Trump says Muslims must register with their government because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says he's going to round up all the Hispanic immigrants because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says it's okay to rough up black protesters because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump wants to suppress journalists because you're not one. But think about this. If he keeps going and he actually becomes president, he might just get around to you better hope that there's someone left to help you. Don't vote Trump 2016. 
We're on the radio, so the, the rest of the ad is kind of irrelevant. So the point there is that uh, Donald Trump is a Nazi, a fascist, mm-hmm. yes, correct, a, a fascist, and um, and and if he gets elected, uh, you know, you might not be part of any of the groups that he's targeting. So you better hope that there's somebody left to help you. And my first thought when I saw the ad was, if I'm a Trump fan, the first thing I'm thinking is, so you're saying he's gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that is true. The entire point of the ad is he's going to win. Because if he doesn't win, none of that stuff matters because he's not president. And now he's just flapping on television. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yes. So in a weird way, the ad backfires horrendously because the number one thing these people want is to win and to beat Hillary. So... You know, it's just, you know, in a, in a weird way, it's kind of like, you know, remember? So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. So you're telling me, you're telling me he's going to win. That sounds great. <laughs> because nobody ever thinks they're the one that's going to be targeted. Um, and, and let's, come on, let's be real. He's, he, well, I agree that philosophically some of the things that he has said go down that path. He's not really a fascist. He he is a deal maker. I mean, somebody actually um, I, I read was rare to see someone something written brilliantly by uh, somebody who's a commentator said, you know, a lot of what Trump's doing is doing what exactly he does during negotiations. And he, he wrote about this in the, his book, The Art of the Deal. You you ask for three times what you want so that when you get what you want, you're happy. Exactly. And, and so when he, you know, he, he puts out on immigration, we're going to build the greatest wall. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to get everybody out of the country. They're going to have to come back. None of which is realistic. But if that's your goal, then you 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 when you end up getting what you want, it's not that bad. So um, I don't really believe that Trump is a fascist, but I don't believe that Trump can win, and that's what this ad implies is that he's going to win. Now here's the way that I, I actually have figured out, I think, a way that Trump can be stopped in Iowa, and I have told my friend Fred Davis about this. Uh, And I will explain what I mean when we return on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We continue our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, which, as usual, is being dominated by Donald Trump, just as is the race itself. And um, in the last segment, we played an ad that is part of this uh, campaign to try to bring down Donald Trump, which is not going to work. I think you and I are in agreement on that, right, Leah? That, right. Uh, that, uh, no, that's not going to work. That's no. only going to encourage people. I agree. Yeah, because here's what you have to remember about Trump. He only needs – people have no idea about the, the math. People are terrible at math, I've, I've understood late in life, especially political math. And Trump, I think, understands this incredibly well. He only needs 10 percent – of the voting age population to vote for him in a Republican primary, 10%. And he is a major factor till the convention. 
If he mm-hmm. gets if he gets 12 percent, he could with a coalition with Ted Cruz, he could somehow win the thing in a broker convention. If he gets 15 percent, 15 percent in this crowded field of the voting age population to vote for him in a Republican primary, he's the nominee. <laughs> OK, that is an incredibly small percentage of people. But in this year, that's all he's going to need. So all he needs to do is take the the 20 to 35 percent he has in the polls and solidify it. And if he wins Iowa, look out, because he's going to win New Hampshire. A bunch of people are going to drop out. There won't be, in, in all likelihood, someone that can that can get into the 50 percentile range immediately against him. And at the very least, he's there till the convention. So how do you stop him? Well, I have what I think is a pretty good idea, but like most of my pretty good ideas, they're not going to get implemented, uh, even though yeah. even though they've been brought to the right people. The, the story of my life is I have really good ideas that eventually get vindicated that are brought to the right people and then rejected. Um, and, and here's, I think, another really good example of that. As I've said numerous times, Leah, uh, Iowa is everything for Trump from a pr- couple perspectives. One, because it's the first race. If he wins there, it establishes he's the alpha male uh, and he's off to the races. If he loses there badly, then that R of invincibility is gone. He's no longer the winner. He's not the alpha. The whole thing could theoretically fall apart at that point. So how do you make that happen? Well, I have an idea how to make that happen, and, and it's this. And I told Fred Davis, the guy who made the ad that we played in the last segment, about this idea. Instead well, he of he doesn't get it at all. So well, I've, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> yeah, I've tried. He doesn't okay. get it. I I I fear that you're right. Um, <laughs> but he did say he would consider, you know, this idea and, and put it up the flagpole, as he said, mm-hmm. which of course means it's not going to go anywhere. But here's here's the idea. Instead of focusing on the candidate, they need to focus on his voters. And what I mean by that is this. Trump is bulletproof to his voters. All right? Oh, yeah, he is, for he, sure. He is bulletproof. But if you can create a stigma in Iowa for people to stand up and publicly acknowledge they're supporting him, which is what they have to do in an Iowa caucus, people don't understand that. They go to you know, coffee houses and churches and firehouses and homes in the middle of uh, January, February, whatever the hell it is. I guess it's February 1st this time in the cold. And they publicly state who they're supporting. All right. If you can create a stigma, a stigma to people doing that, I think you slice enough of his support that he doesn't win Iowa. He might get beat badly there and the whole thing collapses. And so I had this idea of an ad where the ad is somebody going to one of these Iowa caucuses. He's a Trump supporter. He's got the Let's Make America Great Again hat on. He's got the Trump button. He's holding a copy of of The Art of the Deal. And he goes to the caucus, and he goes to stand up for Donald Trump, and they ask him who he's supporting, and he tries to say Donald Trump, and the words Hillary Clinton come out of his mouth. And everybody else at the caucus starts to laugh, And mock this person. And that becomes the stigma of the Trump voter in Iowa. That you are standing up for a guy who cannot beat Hillary. 
and that you should be afraid to acknowledge in front of your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors that you are supporting this guy. Now, that's not going to work with all of them, but it doesn't need to work with all of them. It only needs to work with 10 to 20 percent. And I have anecdotal evidence that it will because I tried this out myself. My in-laws had a post-Thanksgiving get-together on Friday, and there were probably about, I'd say, 10 to 12 likely Republican primary voters that were there, which, by the way, is a, is, a, is very common for an Iowa caucus. So we're in a small little uh, you know, beach house in Oxnard, California, and I ask everybody, could you please state for me for whom you support? And not one of them said Trump. But I knew two of them actually were Trump supporters, or at least one of them absolutely was. My brother-in-law, I thought, he has to be a Trump guy. It's, it's, he's a, he fits the Trump demo perfectly. So after I did the first round of nobody saying Trump, I said to my brother-in-law, come on, you're really a Trump supporter, aren't you? And he says to me, yeah, yeah, I am, but I, I didn't want to say it in front of you. And I yeah. thought, and I said, well, why? I, I got no problem with that. No. Um, I don't. I, I, other than you would rip him apart. No. Don't you want to win? You obviously don't want to win. <laughs> I mean, I can hear it now. The, the point, <laughs> the point is though, that nope, no, wait, hold on. The people who stood up for Cruz, I feel the same way about Cruz. He can't win. They had no problem with that. My, my father-in-law said Jeb Bush. I mocked the hell out of him for that, but it, it didn't bother him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a segment of the Trump voting base that would be afraid if if properly stigmatized to stand up for him because of his controversial nature. Pete, you have to understand how adverse to controversy people are. I live my life on this, Leah. You know, Facebook and Twitter people are afraid, even if they agree with what you say. If it's controversial, they won't like it. You know, they, they won't forward it. They won't retweet it because they're so damn afraid. Because Trump is so controversial. I think there's a real good chance that if you put the stigma, if you made it just a little bit toxic in Iowa, I think he doesn't win the state. You, 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 don't, you see what I'm saying? You- <clears throat> well, I, see, I, I think that Iowa doesn't matter anymore. I think he's already planted the seed that Iowa voters are stupid no matter what happens, and it has nothing to do with Ben Carson because most people don't keep up with that. But what you did here was Iowa voters are stupid. I think he's already known that he was going to lose there, and he set it up that way. Mm, he might be giving. It's a sort too- of like what you said that if you were giving him advice, right. you would blow it off because it doesn't matter and it's stupid. You know, and so that's what you would tell him to do. And it's almost like that's exactly what he's doing in a different way. Hmm. You're giving him a lot of credit um, because it didn't feel to me like that was planned. And I don't know how many people that that certainly got out there that he called Iowa voters stupid. Definitely. Um, But he's currently winning there, although it's now very close with Ted Cruz. I, you know, the, the conventional wisdom right now is that Cruz will likely win Iowa. I don't think that's that damaging to Trump as long as Trump's second and it's close. Uh, I think what really hurts Trump is if he were to finish, let's say, third or fourth and it's not close. Then I think 
uh, it's kind of like that Wizard of Oz moment where, oh, wait a minute, there, there's no Wizard of Oz to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, this was all a big uh, fraud. And then I think it, there's a good chance it collapses on him. But my point of all this is that those that are trying to take him down are going about it all wrong. They're doing it in a way that is, as you've said, tone deaf towards, uh, frankly, I don't know whether any of them have ever spoken to a Donald Trump supporter. I mean, you have to speak right. to one of these people. You have to understand what, what's going on here. And, and not only that, but in the commercial, there's two big lies. Yes. So, and Donald Trump supporters absolutely know their lies. Right. No, I <laughs> I agree with that. No, that that ad from a factual standpoint sounded like it was a Democratic ad. Um, and Fred says that there's going to be other ads to come. I don't know whether or not they're going to you know, get any better than that. I doubt very seriously he'll take me up on my idea, although he said he would consider it. Uh, but I, I really think that when somebody is bulletproof, you, you, you turn the guns in the other direction. You stop firing at Godzilla or King, you know, King Kong. <laughs> and, and in this case, you go to the people that would have to support King Kong. You make that toxic. And again, I want to make, make it clear. Because I've said this before in the program, but it bears repeating because I realize it's nuanced and nuance doesn't really work well on the radio. Uh, there's two scenarios that I can live with here. It, either Marco Rubio wins the nomination in a way where we can be unified uh, and he has a shot to beat Hillary Clinton because I think he's got the best shot statistically by far. Although I don't think that's going to happen largely because of Donald Trump. Or we just go balls to the wall with Donald <laughs> Trump. Have a hell of a lot of fun, lose, but at least we know who to blame. Those are the two scenarios uh, that I'll be okay with. When we come back, a whole lot of news we haven't gotten to yet, including some stuff on Hillary Clinton and why she's far more formidable uh, than uh, most conservatives want to believe. All that coming up in hour number three of the John and Leah Show. My name's John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. The website, freespeechbroadcasting.com.